Welcome back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Steven. And I'm Kyle. How's your week going, Kyle? It's all right so far. Yeah. It's all right. It's pretty sick. Yeah. So uh, we went to the Seoul Mexican restaurant yesterday, and uh, we got recognized as podcast hosts, so that was fucking weird. Yeah, that was awkward. Shout out to Ethan for being awkward. Yeah. Yeah, but we were equally as awkward, so... Yes, wasn't expecting that. Kind of no, weird. Not at all. It was uh, definitely out of the norm for us, so... Don't we, hesitate to talk to us, though. Yeah, yeah. We're just, just not used to it. It was dumbstruck, and you, you like gave us a code. It was like, <laughs> you guys staying weird tonight. We're like, oh, shit, he knows who we are. <laughs> and I was like, uh... This motherfucker's yeah. from Egress, isn't he? And that's Yeah, that was the initial <laughs> thought process. We weren't trying to be rude. We were just caught off guard. Definitely caught off guard, man. Anyway, Kyle has a uh, whole good bunch of conspiracy stuff he's getting ready to bring at you. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Sick. I don't even know what it's about at this point. Good. Stop trying to read it. I am. Okay, copy that. First, we got to get through all the business. Check us out at all the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok. Search up the Hollow Sky Podcast and you can find us there. Come hang out, share memes, share weird shit, just be dope. Um, if you have a listener submission you'd like to submit as a listener, Kyle's going to tell you what to do. You can use your little smartphones, record your story, video, audio. You can write it down. Whatever floats your boat. Shoot it over to the email, which is going to be hollowskypodcast at gmail.com. Hell yeah. Uh, there's a bunch of ways you can support the show if you'd like. We've got a Venmo. You can toss some money into that for us to buy monsters, which would be sick. I know we have a bunch of new uh, Venmo contributors, but I forgot to write them down. So I will get that the next round. We also have a Patreon. If you'd like to come over there and check out the tiers, see what kind of stuff we have to offer. If you'd like some extra content, some stickers, shirts, all kinds of dope shit, you can go over there and register to support the show through a Patreon tier. We've got some new ones. So we're going to shout out uh, Lou, Dan, Griff, Kelly, Justin, Chris, Noretta, Richard, Maha, Nate, and Roids X381. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Thanks for the support, guys and gals. We appreciate you a ton. The best way you can support the show is by telling all your weird friends to come check us out, get new listeners, get some more downloads, get our name out there. It's the best thing you can do. Also, go over to wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. If it's five stars, we will gladly shout you out because you're shouting us out, essentially. Today's five star is brought to us by Brittany. Nay, nay. Says, "Well, I'm I'm obsessed. Five stars. I'm starting from episode one and working my way up. I can't wait. It's very interesting and is constantly making my jaw drop at some of the stories." Well, Brittany, nay, nay. Thank you so much for <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave us that rating and review. It helps kind of push us through um all the podcasts and up into the visible world of the podcast. The upper echelon. Yeah, one of the echelons. I don't know if it's upper, but it's up there. Oh, we're destined for greatness. Hell yeah. I already know that. 
From there, we're going to go right into our listener experience of the day. It's an email from our friend Tom. It's titled Night Fishing. So I'm going to read that to you all. Hello, I've recently started listening to your show. I'm a crossover from the confessionals. I love your show so far. You said you wanted listener stories, so here it goes. Several years back, when I was married to my ex, we used to go catfishing at night. And our usual haunt was a pier on Lake Fayetteville in Arkansas. We went many times, and it's been a few years, so I don't remember exactly what order we experienced what. Sometimes we'd park in the darkened lot and saw the heavy steel chain that they had separating the lot from the woods just swinging. Not all of it, just one section between the supporting poles. The wind was usually negligible, just hot and stuffy summer Ozark night. Uh, The lot had a boat ramp and a wooden pathway that went from there about 200 yards or so along the bank to the pier, which went about 50 feet or so onto the lake. Once, while we were hauling our gear to the pier, I saw a bright white light race along the weedy pavement and straight under our car. She didn't see it. Another night, we were on the pier fishing, and we kept hearing small pebbles bounce off the woods around us and onto the water. We looked back and saw what looked like a fire light in the woods which was weird because there was maybe an eighth of a mile of woods between the lake and the highway at that point. I went into the woods to find it, but it never got any closer. I turned back before I got halfway to the highway. We kept having stuff like that happen almost every time we went there. My ex found a story online about a man who raped and murdered some poor woman in a clearing very close to where we were fishing. We kind of assumed it was from that. It felt very ominous at times. The most intense night, we were fishing at the end of the pier, and she kept saying there was someone at the shore side, or someone at the shore side of the pier. I couldn't see anything. Then we heard footsteps walking slowly toward us. I remember the pier rocking like someone heavy was walking on it. We were both scared, and she could see it. I got pissed then and started yelling at it. We're just trying to fish in this dimension, and the fuck is this thing trying to scare us for? For some reason that night, I was carrying a used disposable camera in my pocket, and I had the idea to slap it on my hand, making the flash go off. I could see a silhouette in the flashes. The wife was saying it was pissing him off and he wanted to hurt us. She tossed a pair of scissors we had with us in the water. She said he was wanting to hurt me with them. At that point, we packed up in a hurry and left. I don't remember if anything else happened there. Later, after we moved to Missouri, we went on some ghost hunts and had some wild experiences. But that night, is or might be for another email... If you stuck through this this long, you pro- or if you've stuck through this long and probably incoherent email, thank you and keep cracking out the kick-ass shows, Tom. Well, Tom, thank you first and foremost for taking the time to email us your encounters on Lake Fayetteville in Arkansas. Um, the first thing that stands out to me is the fire in the woods. Yeah, for sure. It reminds me exactly of what you saw at your parents' house. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then. The the last one is fucking creepy. Whenever, like I I imagine, like standing there, like if me and Steve were standing there, and Steve's like, Kyle, do you see that person over there? And I go, no. And he, you can hear it in his voice, see it in his eyes, that he clearly sees something, and I see absolutely nothing. That would be terrifying. <laughs> I have a story like that actually. That you reminded me of, um, when I was younger, we were all living at the house. And me and my mom were sitting on the couch watching television, and my little brother had already went to bed. He was probably four or five years old. And um, I think I was just sitting on the couch, right? He walks in, kind of looks like he's half sleepwalking, and he looks directly at me, and he goes, who's that sitting next to you? No. And I'm like, 
fuck? And he goes, who's that, who's that man sitting next to you? And I'm just like, I look at my mom, I'm like, you gonna, you gonna do something about this? You gonna, <laughs> you gonna take care of this? Because I don't know what the hell is going on. It'd be terrifying. <sighs> Absolutely terrifying. And even more so in this case, because he could feel the steps coming towards him. He could yeah. feel the entity. And then when he smacked the camera... When the flash went off, he could see the silhouette. That's terrifying. That is that is absolutely terrifying. So you have a, you have a physical presence that you feel on the pier, and you have a physical presence you see through the flash, but you can't see it. And your wife sees it and is, is experiencing it. So all signs are pointing that there's something fucked up there. Yeah, and there there had to have been some type of audio because she was convinced that it was going to take the scissors and stab her with it. Yeah, unless so she, she was like feeling it. You know? Yeah, I guess that's true. But she chucked those out in the water. She's like, doubt that. Smart gal. Let's try it now. The light that moved under your car, that's bizarre too. Yeah. I don't know, man. I like that you did a little bit of research to see if there was anything um, kind of traumatic that happened in the area. Maybe that's where the, the entity could, spawned from. Yeah, it could be. Traumatic events definitely kind of hold on to negative energy. For sure. And that was a, definitely a not a good event no. at all. Uh, yeah, but if you want to uh, send us some of your Missouri stuff, definitely do that. Shoot us over an email. That'd be awesome. Heck yeah. That'd be great. So, yeah, if you want to, if anybody else wants to shoot us some stuff, email it, voice record it. You know the deal. Kyle already told you. From there, I'm going to hand it over to Kyle, and he's going to get your conspiracy on. Yay. So... I decided to pick up this book because it had a sick title and it was called <laughs> Secret Warriors Psychic Spies. And it was written by a Roger Manon. And I I'm a, from what I've gathered, it is on Project Center Lane. So Roger was serving his country as a sergeant first class in the United States Army Intelligence Security Command. Roger had a high security clearance and was chosen for a program. Now, he was apparently the final group to go through this program. And I, the way he explains it is that these programs, as a lot of people already know, they tend to change names and faces throughout time, even though it's the same program. But at this time, it was codename INSCOM, I-N-S-C-O-M. Center Lane Project. Roger attended the Phase 2 of this program. Phase 1 was a smaller group at the Monroe Institute as a more or less test run. The way I take it is that Phase 3 would take the A students from Phase 2 and focus on expanding their abilities, making them part of a unit capable of gathering intelligence in a way that no one had ever seen, all with psychic abilities. Is this the same INSCOM that's part of the Army and all that? I believe so. Intelligence and The Army Intelligence and Security Command? Yeah, I believe so. Right on. I'm yep. just curious about that. So, as luck would have it, Roger's Phase 2 class was the last to visit the mountains of Virginia. When Roger went looking for the documentation on his actual attendance of the center lane, he was unable to find it, which didn't really surprise him because he's in the intelligence community. He knows how these little games are played. But he actually found his 
attendance on a different list, which was the RAP test, R-A-P-T, which is Rapid Acquisition Personal Training. He believes that this was the official cover name for the program. So there you kind of go back to how these things have different faces and different names, and it's just all smoke and mirrors, basically. Yeah, it feels it feels like when you get into this stuff that they switch them around to keep people from digging too deep. Oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, but as as I stated, it wasn't long after it started, the, the program got canceled. The final straw was when a guy actually had a break with reality and ends up going crazy. That would usually bring... Yeah. Unwanted eyes and ears onto it. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not a very good thing. But the, uh, you know, after the dude went crazy, the military pulled the plug on the program, thinking that it wasn't worth the trouble and basically had this this, uh, stance on it like, ha, I knew it was bullshit. I knew we shouldn't have gotten into it. It was totally a waste of time and money. But after they dumped it, the Defense Intelligence Agency reopened it as Project Sunstreak, which it ends up failing there, gets re it gets handed off again to the CIA, and they apparently named it the Stargate Project. <laughs> they just keep getting better and better and better. Right. And they just it keeps rotating communities, which once again would make it harder to track. Yeah. You know, because how many people are getting in the fucking CIA? And getting information out of them. 12. Exactly. So with Stargate, it apparently was more or less an umbrella. In the fact that Stargate dabbled in apparently a lot of different things. But they wanted to gather intelligence with paranormal means. There are also rumors that it went after stranger things as well, like psychic healing and its opposite making people sick using quote-unquote supernatural powers. Now, Roger admits that, or with this, there's a ton of bullshit out there, and with the healing and making people sick and even trying to kill people, he can't say if it's real or not, but he does go on to say that given the emphasis on the paranormal, he wouldn't be surprised if they were really trying that. So that... In my opinion, that goes to halfway puts you in the mindset of people of that time where they were, or they have knowledge that we are not privy to. Which is absolutely true. Oh, yeah, exactly. But they were convinced that it could be possible that you could make people sick basically using your mind. That's pretty fucked up. That is wild. And then. This is our CIA. This is the intelligence community. This is the the army. The there are so the many DOD. names for this fucking thing. Yeah, it's insane. Gondola Wish, Grill Flame, Center Lane, Project CF, Sunstreak, Scan Eight. Yeah, just what, it just so goes just to show Wikipedia. Yeah, that just goes to show how many times it switched hands. That's crazy. But back to Center Lane in particular, Roger believed that. The purpose of step one was to use Robert Monroe's audio technique to identify army personnel that responded positively positively to the training. They were looking for people who could have out-of-body experiences and achieve some type of psychic power, which kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? It's, it's like 
Well, you know, you know who that reminds me of. Me. Yes. And who else is looking for people with possible (sighs) things? Yeah. That one industry. That that one industry refuses to text me back. Yeah. So yeah, if you're listening to this, hit us up. But moving forward, now around this very time, all types of things were hitting the surface to make the government interested in this topic. You had Geller's apparent ability to bend spoons with his mind. You had out-of-body experiences and movies and shit that also displayed the same. On top of all that, you also had the Soviets, who through the rumor mill were gaining ground in these fringe subjects. They were spending tons and tons of money on this research, which isn't that strange when you consider that right before this, Hitler and the Nazis were all crazy deep into the occult and all things fucking weird. So who's to say the Soviets didn't pick up a scientist or documentation or an artifact and decided, you know what? Let's see where this goes. Oh, yeah. Let's just fuck with it. Why not? And then um, the U.S. has got to be like, well, we can't fall behind the eight ball here. Exactly. There you go. And that's how it all gets started. But there was actually one report that they got that was the Soviets had people who could accurately describe a location without ever seeing it, which is remote viewing. So this is where we get into Roger's center lane story. There was a class of 24 that was selected to take part in this experiment. Now, they all took an oath to not say shit about anything they were doing. If they did, they would be put in prison or worse. And at this time, I get the way I take it, the way it's worded, is that these guys were... I'm just going to say it. They were basically desk jockeys, right? They are dudes who listened to shit, they figured shit out, but they never saw combat. But one of the things they threatened these guys with was giving them a rifle and putting them on the front lines. And none of them wanted it. They were all petrified of that. Fuck that. Yeah, because they, they weren't trained for that type of situation. But anyways, you know, with that being said, rumors started to run through the 24. They were assuming they were all being watched 24-7. Some of the guys in the group naturally didn't buy it. And then you had the other little section of guys who were like, no, we're... We're totally being watched. We're totally being listened. I mean, Jesus, we took we took an oath to not say anything about what we're doing. They are definitely watching us. <laughs> so it's usually the first red flag. Right. So one day Roger gets done with whatever he's doing. He goes out to the bar. He sits down. The bar is relatively empty empty. There's like four people in it. There is the bartender, a man in civilian clothes. And then there's this airman who is face down on the bar in a puddle of his own drool and puke. Well, Sick. the bartender gives Roger a beer and continues his conversation with this civilian guy. She starts asking, you know, what what do you do? What what are what are the kinds of things you got going on in your day? And you know, drink after drink, a little bit more. You know, he, he lets this come out. He's letting this come out. Well, he starts he starts letting a little too much information come out. Whoops. 
whoopsie. And believe it or not, Roger says all of a sudden, the airman who looked like he was passed the fuck out drunk in his own puke sits up, pulls out his baton, walks over to this dude, smacks him in the head, puts handcuffs on him, and drags him away. Oh. So at this point, Roger is like, holy shit. They really are listening. Like, they are watching everything we're doing. Now... Do you think that that guy was really sauce there at the bar, or he was just... I think he was just... Like, the way Roger describes it, he's like, imagine, like, that dude was laying in his own puke. And just sets or, up as soon as you mention it. Some type of puke. It may not have been real. <laughs> but just the fact that he had the ability to sit there unmoved like he was passed out. And he's just listening to him. That's like they didn't have a better way of doing it. But anyways, back to the story. We're gonna you know, I, I wrote I opted to include a lot from this book because there there are things in this book that kind of start to make me think in a very specific way. And then these things hit me differently as I read it. So accepting everything Roger has been saying, like these projects never truly dying, just moving around from place to place, being buried deep within the CA or other agencies and hidden in black budgets. So, you know, here we go. January 27th, 1984 training completed the entire team prepared to attempt to go into the altered state of mind they had been preparing for. Now, with all the training they had received, they were all convinced it was possible to reach these places. And Roger notes, these places have always existed through the ages. People have called them thresholds, portals, gateways, and crossroads. Whatever they are called, they are metaphors for a place that is neither here nor there. A place that provides a path between two worlds. He brings up mysterious vanishings of people, like the flight crew that vanished in the Bermuda Triangle. Weird. Roger says, these places where the fabric of time and space grows thin and allows one to step across the threshold from one world to another. I've been preaching that the whole time. Right. I feel you, dog. He says, these gateways exist between this reality and other planes of existence. Different states of being. They live between what is, what was, and what is yet to be. As they do between life and death. Between this world and the shadow worlds that accompany and are in tune with our ordinary reality. Some people stumble upon them accidentally through little-known and poorly understood natural abilities. Others seek the passages through meditation or the ritual magic of ancient peoples. All that I'm sure of is that they can be found and used if you know the way to use them. And that was a direct quote from the book. And like just reading that section makes me think of so many things that we've covered so many theories that we've thrown out there. So yeah, many things that are almost, just utterly relevant. It's almost verbatim what the beings told Edmonds Bingo. Bingo. At, uh, Stardust. Stardust. Yeah. Bingo. Almost identical to what they were saying. Interesting. Which is fucking bizarre. Interesting. 
So, you know, we're going to go, and this kind of jumps around a little bit, but at this section, we are going to go to the 24 that went into phase two of this training. And, and more specifically, it gets to the point where, where it, like Roger takes us through how he starts to achieve being able to cross over into these different places. So the 24, they basically were put in, you know, deprivation tanks and they all went for a ride. And I'm assuming that this section here is from what would be phase two, like the ending of phase two. So they put these 24 people in basically deprivation tanks. They went through the motions and 21 of the 24 saw almost the exact same thing. And listen closely to this, Steve, and tell me if it does remind you of current things. 21 of the 24 saw almost the exact same thing. They saw fire explosions, black smoke, smoke, and death filled their minds. Some of the details varied from person to person, but on the general path, they were all the same. Which, as I just stated, what does this remind you of? If you are picking it up. All of the collective like dreams that are happening now. Yeah, with the emails we've been getting. Yeah. Yeah. People that keep seeing uh like a war torn future. Yeah, I guess it's it's not visions, it's a dream. It's just a future that's either ready ready for war post-apocalypse war i don't know it's crazy but a lot of them align up pretty much spot on with others yeah and and the the details vary from person to person excuse me the details vary from person to person but i just found it insane that we are getting current emails that are fitting the same description. Oh, well, relatively the same description that these people saw back then. Super bizarre. Which means either it's, I don't know what it means actually. Either it's just a common, a common theme of dreams seeing, because some of them are like pre-war military mobilizing, gathering people up and all this. And then others are, Post war, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you see the destruction, you see the aftermath. Um, if anybody else is having these experiences, send it, send them into us. Uh, maybe we should try to group them together. I plan get, on that. Get them to us any way you can, because it's weird that I want to make put, a database of them. They put these guys in a deprivation chamber, deprived of, you know, their senses and. These are also starting to pick up during the lockdown and the quarantine where people are deprived of not your... Hey, Hollow Cult, the weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tecovis Boots. When you're out hunting the dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tecovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids. And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, 
regular leather boots. They they have it all, and it's re- it's ridiculously awesome. You can even stop by their the local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. So just imagine yourself getting a pair of legitimate snakeskin Hollow Sky branded boots. How awesome would that be? Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Actual senses, but like your social senses. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't get out and see people. Yeah, and then, you know, when you sleep, you're almost, I mean, in a nutshell... You're kind of putting yourself in a deprivation tank if you think about it. You're wrapped up yeah. in your bed. You're it's lights out, so there's no lights. You're not hearing things. It's the only thing that's you know. It's like your your brain is the active one at that point. It's the one. Absolutely. You know, and I don't know. Like I just found I found it really, really bizarre. That they kind of line up. That they kind of line up. Now. Yeah, man. And it's it's just I don't know. It's really weird. But yeah, I do want to start a database of those dreams and start logging them in their own thing to see how many we can get and to see if there's any similarities or anything like that. Um, but back to the the story here, you know, so like I said, that was most likely the end of the second phase of the operation. And I take it obviously that Roger in some way, shape or form passed and got to move on. So Roger gets a notice to report to Arlington Hall Station. He hops on a plane from Japan so he can continue this odd journey that he has begun. He arrives at the place three hours early. With, and for, Roger's just stoked. He is absolutely ecstatic to be on this journey. He's ecstatic to be where he is and being able to push, to push so far into this subject. So, you know, he's hanging out, and not long after that, he's greeted by General Stubblebin. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that's how it's, it's said. I don't have a fucking clue. I'm bad with names. Yeah, I think it's spot on. It just cracked me up. Yeah. Alongside, okay, he was met by General Stubblebin with all of his participants at this time. The general's key message here was, gentlemen and ladies, I am asking all of you to suspend disbelief for the next six days and to go with an open mind. Allow yourselves to participate in the possibility that something remarkable will occur. It will, I think. It did for me, and I would be surprised if it didn't for you. And that was a that was an actual quote from the book. So with that, it sounds like right out of the gate that's... Either the general has set in on these things before and has seen remarkable things from these men, or the general himself has sat through these things and experienced things yeah, himself. I mean, he, he virtually said it did it did happen for me. Right. Like he in something remarkable will occur. It did for me. So one of two one of two possibilities in my head here is that 
The general is 100% convinced that this works. Or the general is trying to make the people here 100% convinced that it does work. Because later on, I'll probably go over it, but they do elaborate on how people who tend to buy more into it are far more likely to have experiences than people who are closed minded. Yeah. Are closed. Exactly. Yes. That makes sense. So, you know, with the general here, I, it's one of two things. He either experienced it or he's trying to convey to these people that this is real. You should believe that it's real that way going into this, this experiment, they, they're all more likely to have results than not. That makes sense. Right. Open them up about it. Yeah. Beforehand. So after the short inter- introduction and the chat, they all boarded a bus that would take them up Robert Mountain Road to a compound, a place where they would learn to transport their minds, spirits, and the very essence of themselves, and most likely to otherworldly places, which was also a direct quote from the book. I just love the way some of these pictures get painted for me, and that's why... I always end up having like 50 episodes because I get so caught up in all these little details because they put such vivid images in my head. But uh, it's you cool. Know, we love it. Yeah. I, I try, my, be- I try my best. I try my best. So these guys, they all, the guys and girls, they all get to where they're going and enter into what feels like a very lodge type area. Once inside, they walk through a narrow hallway where small rooms were on each side of it. Now, these rooms were very small, almost uh, cubicle in shape. Just enough room for the, the participants to basically sleep. The trainers, the trainers at this facility called it, are called the unit's check. Controlled Holistic Environmental Chamber. Which basically screams deprivation tank to me. Each cubicle had a black painted ceiling with, a cr- with cream colored walls There was also a box on the ceiling with three different lights in it, red, yellow, and blue. These lights could be turned on all at once or in any combination needed. They also had high-quality headset near the pillows. After they, they all get settled in, they talk to the general again. He goes on how this is extremely important and that each person must go into this with an open mind. He says, try to listen and learn, try not to question, and just let things happen as they will. Roger began chatting with the trainers at this point, which they went over Bob Monroe's use of sound and his research into the binarial beat discovered by Heinrich Wilhelm Dove. So Dove apparently learned that when you introduce steady tones and different frequencies into each ear, the brain will actually create a third pulsating tone at the difference of the two oscillations, which is far more than my brain is capable of doing. <laughs> Just reading that, I can I'm surprised I can read all them words, but I it's like I can see the picture in my head of what's going on, but I could definitely not convey that. So it's it's like it's putting one tone in your right ear, yeah, one tone in your left ear, which is creating something else in the middle. When those two tones meet up, it creates a third, right, independent tone. What? So they explain that the binarial beats at 
particular frequencies were essential to the training they were set to participate in. Roger and his classmates learned how these specific frequencies were oscillate or associated with different states of consciousness. So the example in the book, our brains generate beta frequencies or waves when we are awake, alert, and actively thinking. Alpha waves indicate that we are awake but relaxed. Theta waves happen while we are dreaming or in deep meditation. The theta state is associated with creative breakthroughs and paranormal experiences. So Roger and his classmates would sit in their cubicles and listen to tapes that would stimulate their brains and get them to learn how to generate specific waves. Now, I'm going to pause right here for a second. And if I have to, I'll edit this out. But all that bullshit right there reminds me of the Twitter. Oh, yeah. The Twitter encounter? Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know that anybody anybody that's not active on social media knows this. But there was a um, Twitter follower who followed the uh, Twitter, interestingly enough. Yeah. But they started posting really cryptic messages to us and uh, one other YouTuber who has absolutely nothing to do with us. We're not related in any way. We didn't even really know the guy before this. And if I think about it, I'll post some pictures of what this person was leaving us. There was all kinds of codes and uh, numeral sequences Equations and all sorts of weird shit. Uh, anybody on the Discord has probably seen it because they figured it out or figured out the post and screenshotted it and took it over there. And we're working on trying to figure out what these numbers are, if there was a code, what the hell was going on. Basically, the whoever this Twitter account was said that we're so close, we're on the right track, and we don't even know what it's no, there's what no... it's in relation to. They used some verbiage. They said you were so close to the truth you didn't even know it. Yeah. And we don't know if it's in regards to egress, if it's in regards to something else we were close to stumbling upon. Or if it's a troll. It is probably a troll. But the only accounts that this person even interacted with was us, this YouTuber, and this YouTuber's uh, cameraman. And he was this, this account was posting the same cryptic shit to all of us. Um... They also gave us a date of 4-20-2021. So that is Monday? No. Yes? Yeah, Monday. Yeah. When this episode will release, which is odd. That is kind of weird. Fucking weird. <laughs> Especially with the brainwave thing, because they sent a picture of brainwaves. Yeah. That, I didn't think about that. No, I mean, either. That, that is <laughs> Dropping weird. right now. But, yeah. That's enough to make you scratch your head. It is weird. And now I'm like, I'm looking up this binaural binaural beats and it's apparently it's used in therapy and treatment of anxiety and stress and all sorts of they're trying to take everybody to different dimensions i'm down bro this dimension sucks (laughs) (laughs) but anyway that was kind of a tangent yeah 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 no it's Um, good because i I remember i'll post it up on the facebook if not find yourself to the discord and people were talking about that you have to scroll back a little bit somewhere in there but Another anyway, another interesting thing with this whole group setup, which I don't really know how it would make me feel, but 
when the when all this twenty four when all the twenty four got there, they were they had to remove all their watches. They took out all the clocks from the facility. No calendars. They said they wanted everyone there to exist outside of time. They were also not allowed to make any contact with the outside world. Roger claimed that no clocks was a way to unknowingly push them all towards a sleep deprivation state and to let the body begin to find its natural rhythm. It was also concluded by Roger that being given little or no information on the outcome of the study was better for the study itself. They were looking for people who were more receptive because that person was more receptive and far more likely to experience something. So, so far in the story, it seems, you know, it seems whatever they're doing, they're going all in. They're taking as many precautionary steps as they can to create a fruitful outcome, so to speak. Yeah, it's like they're, they're kind of stacking the deck. Yeah, and and Roger even goes on later on to uh, basically acknowledge that. Like, he's like, they're going way out of their way to make this as perfect as they can to get the the effects that they want. I was trying to think of the name of this movie that kind of deal, deals with this, but it's The Men Who Stare at Goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever watched that? I haven't watched it, but I know exactly what it is. Yeah, they deal with remote viewing yeah. and like all kinds of weird parapsychological shit. Yeah. It's, it's the first thing I thought of when you were talking about the taking away the clocks and all of that weird shit. But anyway, I digress. Uh, so... This is this is basically like the the next section is going to be like the day one of like the day first day of training. So Roger remembers that afternoon crawling into his unit, which was he said it was warm. It was around typical human body temperature. The heavy curtain that was basically your door was pulled down to keep all the the excess light out. The headsets went on and the voice of the trainer started to speak over the headset. Take your time. Get into the most comfortable position you can find. Turn the dim red light on. Close your eyes and wait for the recorded voice of Robert Robert Monroe. So as Roger laid there and waited for Robert to start speaking, the headsets had a slight hum to them. Now, shortly after that, very soft music started to play. The music was a blend of like harmonies and Roger, you know, he was, he was like, it's basically to help people start to relax, to enter this state of relaxation. Roger said it made him feel like he was alone in the universe and he was just content with everything. Just, just there. (laughs) Just, just good. That's where I want to be. Just alone (laughs) in the universe. Well, it sounds kind of sad and lonely. It is. Trust me. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Robert started speaking, telling everyone to focus on the noise of the ocean that was playing in the headsets now. He began to explain that everything they were about to do was as natural as the beat of our hearts and the air into our lungs. Roger goes on to note that Robert never used key words like paranormal or extrasensory perception. So that would suggest that Robert himself was teaching a method 
that was a natural ability that exists in everyone. The approach was taking or taking like a weight training. You start off slow and over time it starts to build and mold into something more. Every exercise started with, I am more than my physical body because I am more than the physical matter. I can perceive that which is greater than the physical world. So during this exercise, Roger was directed to get a box to put his physical body in. So Roger started to think of boxes and he he started like being flooded with boxes, like cardboard boxes, small boxes, this box, that box. And he was struggling with it because he's like, I guess he's like, well, this box is too small. This box is not right. So he's trying to find the right box. But then he goes, he, he starts to remember the trainers told, told like, couldn't, they just stressed. Stop, like, do, do not overthink this shit. Just let it happen. My brain went directly to a call. <laughs> well, <laughs> all doom and gloom over here. So... Roger, you know, takes his deep breaths. He's like, all right, I got to calm down. I got to start just letting this shit happen. So as he started to do that, something strange actually started to happen. There was a box that started to form in Roger's mind's eye. A golden brown box of teak, large and sturdy, which sat on a block of dusty gray granite, marbled through veins of cloudy quartz. There was, and this was all inside a cave or a small cave like place. The walls were smooth and even. The interior was a reddish brown. The cave was filled with a yellowish red light that was subtle. And Roger even remembers looking for the light source and not being able to find it. He said the light was just there. Now, what struck me was how Roger became confused. He wasn't sure how all this started to appear in his mind, but he remembers all the fine details of the box. It had an arch lid with leather straps over it that were aged. And he claims that he could even smell the uh, the faint, pleasant odor of leather. Like, so it was whether, whether he was really drawing on something or he was, his mind is now just like concrete focused on this box. That's wild. Now at this point he was asked to to step out of his physical body and place his physical body into the box. So he did just that. He put all the bindings of, of his life inside the box, all the everyday Bullshit went inside the box. Everything. His credit card, his wallet, everything. Puts it in the box. He closed the box, and at that moment, his mind and spirit were free to go wherever it wanted. Robert began to speak again. He said to breathe deep and pull fresh energy into your bodies. Roger said he started to see golden strands of energy being pulled from the air around him, And it was pushing into all parts of his body. As he exhaled, he said the old energy left his body. It appeared as a gray cloud with black specks kind of swirling around in it. 
Shortly after that, he said he started to hear chanting, which would scare the shit out of me. Yeah, that'd be awful. But Robert, the guy in the headset, encourages the participants to partake in this chanting, which sounds sus as fuck. Almost yeah. like you're about to do some type of ritual. Ahead. Just go ahead. Re- repeat this Latin. Yeah. And see what characters you bring out. Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. You don't even know what... I can just picture it now. Like Somebody's like... You're like, what language is that? Oh, it's just Latin. Just don't. Just try to mimic the noises. You'll be all right. You don't need to know what it says. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> what, is, what is that horned creature out there in the distance? <laughs> Is that, a, is that a pentagram? What is that? Uh, I'm going to go this way now. <laughs> so, you know, he started to partake in the chanting. And then after a little while, the voices started to dissipate. And he heard Robert come over the headphones again. And at this point, Robert says, explore the new place you've entered. And Roger said at first there was nothing. It was just him in complete darkness. But slowly, vision started to form the area around him. He said he saw a reddish-brown lion, a blood-red rose woven into the fabric of carpet. He saw his son's face in half-light and half-shadow. He said he saw a wolf with a coat of deep grays and blacks. Then a forest started to appear in autumn. And he said the wolf stopped and Roger recognized the eyes of the wolf. Roger said he had met this wolf before. And after a little while of exploring this area and seeing these images, old Robert comes on the headset and says, all right, I'm going to start counting back from three to one. When I get to one, you're going to wake up and you're going to be fully refreshed. And sure as shit, as soon as he gets to one, Roger wakes up and he feels like a million bucks. And this was, this was, this is where I'm going to end it here, but this is day one. Day one. So what they're saying is that everybody has this ability. Everyone. Tucked away. Everyone, which raises fuckloads of questions for me because not only like you pointed out it links to stardust and it was told in stardust that your dreams are actually a part of this deja vu can be a part of this you can get here through meditation which are all types of shit yeah which are all things that the eagles flyer touched on yeah enough but enough about that it is it's i mean it's almost like a fucking superpower. Kind basically. of, yeah. So are other agencies taking steps to actively regress this in us? That's You know what I mean? Dude, I, I think I've told you off air before, and I know I've had this conversation with somebody, but like, if I had to closely describe this, you said superpower, but it could also be like magic per se. In a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do. There's a part of me that wonders if there isn't a group of people out there that know this shit's real. Like, you know, 
I think I even used the example before, like Hitler. Say, because Hitler chased all the artifacts and all the the occult bullshit and da 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 da. Yeah, and I mean, clearly, probably every major military in the world has dealt with it. Yeah, well, looked into it at least. Look back through the centuries. All these motherfuckers believed in something crazy when it came to like magic and being able to traverse into different worlds and all that shit. Because you've got, I mean, you've got people who are adamant about being able to lucid dream, have yeah. have yeah. have theories and steps they go through to actively do it, to to traverse yeah. dreams at their own will and accord. Yeah. When I dream, I'm at the mercy of the dream. I'm the same way. But I've never, never been able to can alter just it. T- take whatever they just do whatever they want. Right. Which kind of is in the same vein as this. Which if you think about it, if you have if you have the ability like telekinesis and anything in that vein, you know, pyrokinesis and, and like You're a gangster. Do you have a lot of fucking power? Oh yeah. You can move like for sure. You can move things with your mind. And unlock that. You have the potential to train that to be exponentially more powerful. Yeah. If your brain can bend a spoon, and you can train that to where it can bend a bridge, or <laughs> you fucking neo. Yeah. That's... But even 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 taking all that away, even just imagine having the ability to go somewhere in your mind. That you've never been before, but you can like, like if I've never been here in your house and I'm at my house and I'm like, you know what? I got ordered to go check Steve out. I'm going to go walk around at his house and you can. Yeah. Just you, remote the, do it. Yeah. Just all the intel you can gather from that. You can just, it, re- it reminds me of that email we got that this, this remote viewing yeah. crew was going to remote view the podcast. Yeah. Like use us as a focus, not not remote view us, but use us as a focus of intent in their remote viewing to see if they can come up with anything interesting. But I haven't heard back from that guy. If you're listening, yeah, that's a, hit I us up. Forgot about that, yeah, for sure. But it's like in in the movie, there was one specific uh, psychic spy or whatever you want to say, who was so powerful that he supposedly killed a goat by just staring at it. Just Sick. focused his intent so much that the goat just croaked. Which, you know, they pointed out earlier in the episode how they were convinced that it was at least possible to kill shit with your mind. That's crazy. That's bizarre. That's and that like and I I can't stress that enough. That is that is the CIA, that is the intelligence community, that is the military, that is the DOD, the DOJ, all of it. All of it's like, yeah, let's give it a try. Let's yeah, see if we can th- do it. Think of how much power you would have if you could do that. Well, I know, but it just like to normal everyday people, that this has to sound asinine crazy. Well, yeah. It has to. Yeah. But the military's like, let's give it a shot. Fuck yeah, because the military's like, oh, we can take out opposing world leaders with our brains. Oh, yeah, that would be just sick. by thinking about it. But it's just bizarre to me that they would even entertain the option. You would think they'd be like, or I could just send this missile over there and do the job. Yeah, that's too messy, though. I agree. And there's too but much. But nevertheless, to... it's just bizarre to that. I feel like they're they're always chasing the 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 easiest, well, not the easiest, but the the least conspicuous yeah. way to get dirty jobs done. Yeah, I was gonna say without doing a dirty job without actually having to get dirty. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree, and it, but it's still it'll it'll forever be bizarre to me. That at any given point, 
the intelligence community, military, whatever you want to put a little, whatever label you want to put on it, would even consider chasing psychics, uh, telekinesis, remote viewing. It's just bizarre. Unless <laughs> there is almost like a, a sliver of proof out there, a concept that has at least have really good track record. Yeah, I mean, but you've got you've got guys who are swearing by it that they've unlocked it, they've experienced themselves and like and enough to the point where they're training people to do it. I believe that people can do it. I believe it's highly possible, without question. We don't even know what we don't even use most of our brain. Yeah, we don't even know what the we're capable of. No. Which is probably good. And according to the supreme beings or uh at Stardust, they fucking said that we don't even understand what creativity is or imagination. I don't. And they said we were way behind the curve, too. I attest that. <laughs> I would second that. <laughs> but anyway, we're going to wrap it up right there. Kyle's going to come back next week with part two. It probably won't be next week. It's not going to be next week. No. I lied to you. Because I just it'll burnt, be, burnt through all of it. It'll be in some more weeks. Some more weeks, definitely. So, stay tuned for part two. Coming up soon. So, until then, check us out at all our social medias. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok, social stuff. Uh, come and hang out with us. Submit your stories. Leave us reviews. And until next time, stay weird. Stay safe. And uh, if you can lucid dream or remote view us, uh, email us and tell us about it.